Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about The Care and Taming of a Rogue by Suzanne Enoch. And this is the first book in the Adventurers Club series, which, yeah. okay. Yeah, and it was published about 10 years ago, 2009. I have a lot of thoughts about the Adventurers Club, but okay. Yes. Yes. So, um, overall, what do you think? I mean, overall, I thought this was really an enjoyable book. It had a lot of things that I liked. Completely uncomplicated hero, um, not too much angst, and no big misunderstanding between the protagonists. I think for me, it was a sort of three and a half would be forgettable, but I rounded up to four because archaeology. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll get into it, but I sort of have a crush on <laughs> a historical crush on a historical figure, and the hero reminded me so much of this historical figure that I think I could just really see myself there. Yeah, so I enjoyed this, but I kind of wanted to get into this before we usually go through our usual spiel because I can admit my own bias. Yeah. And while I did not think this book was perfect, what it it's just general premise is exactly in my wheelhouse. Yeah, the general premise is good, and there were things an, that I liked. A bookworm and an adventurer. Right. Okay, so you already, short of this being like a rape fantasy, I was I was on board. Right, and I mean, you know, if you listen to our podcast, if you like our podcast, you know that we started out with Mr. Impossible, which is a very similar premise. Bookworm and... We're going to get into this because I have Rupert mentioned in my comments. Oh, me too! So, okay. <laughs> okay. All right, here's the jacket. How to tell if a man is an unrepentant rogue? Number one, he has no patience for frivolous debutantes. Number two, he kisses you after a single dance. Number three, he makes you forget yourself and kiss him back. After years away from London, Captain Bennett Wolf is back and alive, much to society's surprise. Having been presumed dead, this rugged adventurer is now much sought after by every marriage-minded young woman. But Bennett only has eyes for the intriguing Lady Philippa Edison. Philippa would rather read than flirt, but she does know a thing or two about proper courtship rituals. A gentleman does not kiss a lady senseless, and he certainly does not bring his pet monkey when he comes calling. Lady Philippa's never been so scandalized or tempted. She simply must teach Bennett some manners before she succumbs to temptation as wild as the man who offers it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, this that is a very good summary of this I book. think the only thing it sort of glosses over is the presumed dead bit that is a big part of his character in the plot. But, like, yes. it's paid lip service. They talk about it. They, this book jacket really emphasizes the relationship, which I cannot fault. Fair. I mean, given the nature of the genre in I general. Mean, yes, obviously. But I would rather read this about what, what you're going to get between the two uh, romantic leads than something that happened in the conflict. Legit. And so. the conflict is not between the two of them, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, which of course adds to what I like about this book. Yes. So, as usual, we wrote our own summary that we feel hits the high points of the book. And our randomly generated number for this week was 36. So here's my 36-word summary. Bookworm Philippa meets her favorite author, Bennett Wolf, who happens to be tall, tawny, strong, and boorish. This is Disney's Beauty and the Beast, but just the part where the Beast learns manners from his dishes. <laughs> I mean, all right. Look, Beauty and the Beast has always been my favorite, and again, I could just see Bennett there. 
every friggin' romance novel is Beauty and the Beast. And, like, we've probably done three or four so far that were either explicitly or implicitly yeah. allegories or allusions to Beauty and the Beast. And we got two more coming up. Spoiler Oh, alert. yeah. So, like... We're coming up to Beauty and the Beast week. So it's, uh... We're, there's just no stopping us. So my 36-word summary... The smart one in a pair of sisters, not to be mistaken for the pretty one, falls for her favorite dead diarist. Bennett wants revenge and Africa, but settles for neither. Luckily, the lady doesn't settle. <laughs> I mean, that's a, I also think that was a really good one. And it, it does bring up a little bit more of the conflict. That's what I was aiming for, because yeah. I felt like that's what was lacking from the real jacket. Yeah, that's fair. I just wanted to know what Bennett looked like, obviously. But that's what's most important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we've got some real quality tropes here. We've already talked about it, but we've got the blue stocking bookworm. And she's a little different in that she's not like a blue stocking commoner. She's a daughter of a peer. Yes. And she is well regarded in society. They just sort of view her proclivity for books as a little odd. But she's not science-minded. Like, she really is just a reader. Yes. This isn't someone with, like, a grand passion for furthering herself academically or studying no. something specific. Yeah, she, she just likes to read, and she's not very interested in boring conversation. And so the, Afri the reason I chuckled when I learned this was called the Adventurers Club series mm -hmm. is... She is a part of the Adventurers Club, which is a book club. <laughs> yes. But then Bennett also becomes part of a, a different Adventurers, Adventurers club. club. Right. I but. forget. Maybe the book club is named something else. But that was my first thought, was these people reading Bennett Wolf's yes. novels. Yes. Yeah. So, and of course, we have the Wallflower with a beautiful older sister. And in this case, small subversion. They're both old enough to be on the shelf. Yes. But definitely the older sister is on the shelf in quotation marks because she just hasn't chosen from her many 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 suitors i'm real hardcore rooting for her in the neighbor though yes so much they did a good job so the sister had there's a best friend of the family who's also a good friend of bennett wolf's yeah lord john lord john who plays a very significant role in this novel mm -hmm. and he's desperately in love with philippa's pretty older sister mm -hmm. and I actually am really rooting for them which I didn't expect to like be as invested in them for how small a part of the plot they take up but if I'm a little disappointed that it's the Adventurers Club books too because yeah. neither of them are in it's Adventurers Club. It's not going to be Sir John Wright. So like, exactly. that's going to be a romance that I'm sure happens in the background throughout yeah. all the novels but I'm a little sad that if she stays true to the name yes. they're not, they didn't get their own book. Yeah. I also probably should have researched this before I started blathering on about it to the general public. Maybe there is a book about them. I have no yeah. idea. Uh, let's see what else have we got as tropes. Well, he is an adventurer, as you can guess from the name of the, the title. But of course, his, his explorations are completely, or at least as much as she can make them, non-problematic. I always, I struggle with the difference between the giving credence to current social norms mm -hmm. and, like, anachronism. Yes. And he is borderline anachronistic while sometimes still being a little bit offensive. You both, yeah, yeah. And I think, honestly, it's only the difference between 2019 and 2009. Yeah. But it was, um... There's some conversations about, like, what it means to be civilized and what it means to be savage that were clearly very progressive in yeah. 2009. And, of course, he, he you know, tries to negotiate with the natives and learns their languages and respects them. But also never goes so far as to criticize, like, the concept of colonialism. Also true. 
Mm-hmm. So. Um, they are, so they meet because he shows up on this book club that's supposedly reading his posthumous last novel. <laughs> and then he's alive. And it's Lord John hosts the book club, so he's able to verify Bennett's identity yeah. right off the fat bat. And, of course... Bennett is like, there's this room full of people and Philippa just catches his eye and from that moment on, it's done. From that moment on, that's it. That was it. He fell. No one else would do besides Philippa. He doesn't know what she does with her life. He doesn't know what her interests are, except for the fact that she's calm. Yep. After he bursts in on them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Lane, I just didn't hate it. No, I didn't hate it either. So I think the other thing that we've both already started talking about, sort of, he's got a lot of hints of Rupert. So much! Rupert from Mr. Impossible is sort of unique, so I don't quite know that this can be a trope, except for how similar the two characters are. Yes. In that Rupert's a little bit simple, and Bennett's not. I don't mean that as euphemism for dumb. I mean, right, like, direct in their desires. Rupert had no passion or... Uh, occupation. Right. Whereas yes. Bennett clearly as an explorer has this independent interest that's been all consuming in his life up to this point. But his line of thinking, especially toward Philippa, is pretty much woman, want woman, can only have woman through marriage. So marriage. Yes. And he does not think about like, I'm an explorer. What do I do with a wife? Yes. My name is currently tarnished. What do I do with a wife? That's, 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 Does she even want me? What right. do I do with the wife? <laughs> so guys, just so you know, what we do is we we have a shared document where we write our notes on this. So this was Lane's note. And then my mm-hmm. note immediately following, which she hadn't read yet, is that I liked that he went for her right away. Here we have a man with little to no introspection, which is kind of fun. Shades of Rupert <laughs> Carsington. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I did my notes on my phone, so I couldn't see any of the subsequent ones where I was adding mine. That's hilarious. Yes. Um, so, yes, we both identified. I, I really think that's it, that there's no introspection. Mm-hmm. He he has this desire. He has this thing that he wants, and he's just going to go for it. And he's not going to complicate it. Right. Like, the answer is, the end result is, I want to be married to this woman. Everything else is extraneous. Yes. And so he, he's very single-minded when he has a goal. And, like, that is sexy. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, of course, I did have to differentiate him from, from Rupert just exactly the way Lane did by saying, on the other hand, he has a direction in his life. <laughs> he leads expeditions. He's like super smart. And Rupert is not presented that way. Yes. Okay. Uh, something else that I really liked about this book is that she calls him out on all of his shit. Finish your point. Okay. So, for example, we just talked about he has decided that he is going to make her his in every possible way that he can think of, right? And so they're flirting. He can tell she's attracted to him. And instead of going through what he would see as these societal expectations, these motions that he would have to go through, he's like, I'm just going to cut through all of that. Philippa can see, me, can see me for what I want. And so he says, like, I want you naked. And on the one hand, like, she likes that. But on the other hand, she's like, okay, but that's not enough for me. So I'm going to call you on that. And I want you to actually try to show me why you value me. Yes. I really liked it a lot. I liked it. I had two problems with it. Tell me. The first is a lot of his directness he defined in terms of 
living in the wilderness and out of society. Yeah. In a way that, like, I found a little bit icky. Well, that sure. didn't quite go as far as to say it's because I've been living in societies that behave differently. He treated it more like because I've been a man alone in the woods. Yeah. But it still, like, felt a little bit. Like, English society is what is civilizing. Yeah. Granted, it does ask you to question why society and civilization are valued, but it still, like, felt a little squicky. And the second thing was, I loved that she was putting her foot down and was like, look, you need to court me. You can't just treat yeah. me like I'm going to be your mistress. I don't yes. know what you want from me. Yes. And that, it was a good and sexy scene. I kind of hated how fast she caved. Like, I felt like he didn't really end up doing what she wanted or, like, slowly seducing her. Like, this is a virgin who'd never been kissed. Okay, we're going to get to sexiness later because I think you have a point there. I just, I felt very abrupt. Like, yes. I was actually yes. really surprised because literally this is their first heavy makeout. And then he's unbuttoning her dress and I'm like, oh, damn, this is moving fast. And then, like, a paragraph later he's in her. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean... Okay, yeah. except that it seems really out of character. Yes. Look, we, we're going to get there. Okay, okay. Because okay, I okay. did address that fact. But what, what I liked is that even though she really was into him, like she was really into him, obviously, because they, not only do they have sex very quickly, but she also, she's been an admirer of his for years because she's read his books. She's really into his writing. She knows he's an intellect. I mean, like, can you imagine if Errol Vorkosigan or Walter Ramsey's Emerson <laughs> came off the page? Yes. I would not be a civilizing influence. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but what I really like, and, and for years, she's been told that she is the lesser She's the less, she's attractive, but she's just not very attractive compared to her sister. So she thinks if she marries, she's going to probably marry one of her sister's cast off suitors. Yes. And here's this guy. So not only is this guy who she has been admiring for years, super hot, super into her, right? And she's never felt that way before. She still has this sense of self-worth right. to say, you know, actually like this is very flattering, but I also deserve a little bit more. From that perspective, yes, it's admirable. So that, I really liked that. And yes, do you have to guess that I really liked the way he responded to her demands, which was doing what she wanted him to do? While simultaneously seducing her. Yeah. The way he wanted to. Which, uh, you know what? It was the best of both worlds. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, I, yeah. Her obsession with him prior to his appearance and like even the way she talks about like mourning his death yeah. is a really interesting added element mm -hmm. and I I did feel like sometimes I feel like I have to qualify this because I feel like in some ways I like this book more than I should have his interpretation of the way she reacted to his rebornness <laughs> rebirth <laughs> coming back from the dead Re resurrection ever, resurrection fake resurrection I don't know um, did feel a little bit not like the other girls TM it did. It did. It did. It did. You're, you, this is correct. And I'm saying this because I want you guys to know I see how problematic it is, even while unreservedly enjoying it. Yeah. But, like, it was a little bit, she's not chirpy. She's not annoying. She's not fawning all over me. She's not. And it's like, all right, well, you literally just came back from the dead. If some yeah. people are a little bit like, holy shit, that's kind of justifiable. Yeah. And the only reason she's not fawning is because she's, like, so in shock. Yeah, like, she is 
stupefied. Yeah. But I, I liked I liked that she was a fan of his writing. Yeah. Because it made me think of another book, a, a recently published book by Eloisa James, Wild in Love, which is very similar premise. He is an adventurer. He writes lots of memoirs. I'm going to have to read this one. Yeah. They're very popular, but he falls in love with a woman who's never read them because she's... Not like the other Not girl, like the other girl, TM. Uh, and she doesn't have this great fan admiration. She's not a fan or an admirer of his. I want there to be a book about a great adventurer who's a prolific writer who falls in love with a girl who can't read. <laughs> yeah, but then it, it would still fall into the not like other girls. Because she's never... Because she can't read? Yeah. Can't read. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So, anyway, I, I liked that she was a fan. Mm-hmm. I liked that. I liked that she had already formed an opinion of him. Be it also because it it made her attraction to him feel more, make more sense. Yes. Right? Yeah, no, he definitely singled her out as exceptional. I wish the text had done more emphasizing of her attributes and a little less putting down other women. This is true. Very true. Yeah. Um, I like the way the resolution came to be. I really liked it, too. I actually really, really liked it because I wasn't sure how it was going to end up. I mean, you knew they were going to end up together because he just didn't seem to care about yeah. what sacrifices had to be made to but, facilitate that. But how? And the thing is, you read a romance novel, you know they're going to end up together. And part of the fun is seeing how it's going to happen. Right. Are you going to like it or are you going to not like it? I liked this one. Yeah. I did, too. It felt, it felt real. In that these are two incredibly wealthy, titled people. No conflict is actually that big. Right. And so even though the resolution ended up feeling very easy and obvious, like, that's exactly what would have been. They yeah. were two, like, wealthy, hot people in love. They could do whatever the hell they wanted. Exactly. And then they ended up doing whatever the hell they wanted. Yes. And I was like, oh, good. Thank you for not overcomplicating yes. this. I, I, I don't think I'm spoiling too much by telling you that he does not drag her off to Africa to get infected with malaria on the Congo. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Meg. Spoiler alert. This was talked about in the jacket. He does have a monkey who he brings along with him on all his social calls. Oh, this is every bit a trope we didn't talk about. Animals can sense the true self. Oh, yes. Animals can sense the true self. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Caro the monkey. Caro the monkey. Did you like Caro the monkey or did you not like Caro the monkey? Because Lane does not love animals in books. I actually didn't mind it. I did not either. I actually liked Carol. I'm also not a huge fan of animals in books either. I think Carol was a good in-between a child and an animal. <laughs> yes. Where he had some like actual characterization that wasn't just like people imposing emotions on a dog. Mm, yes. Or she had some actual characterization. Yes. But it wasn't like an annoying child with needs. Yeah. And I, what I liked, too, is that the monkey, Caro, sort of served as this liaison between men in the world. So it formed connections with other people. I cannot believe we forgot this trope. He's got a tragic backstory. Oh, tragic backstory. He's an orphan who was raised financially, but not physically, by distant relatives who didn't want him. Yeah. And I also think it was interesting that his way of, like, interacting with people basically ended up being by getting really attached to this monkey. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Yes. It was fun. But I, I liked... I did not hate Kara the Monkey, and I could have hated 
a monkey. Did you like the way his relationship with his family ended up? You know, it didn't bother me. I thought it was an interesting take on a trope. Yes, I agree. There was there was not a great coming together. They didn't all of a sudden understand each other. There wasn't a great estrangement either, but there was a little bit of mutual understanding and mutual detente. And you realize that no one was acting purely out of malice? Yes. I I did really like that. I mean, it was no excuse for the way they treated a child, but yeah. it also wasn't like the stock abusive step parent. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was well done. Yes. So I I did like it. It was unique. Yes, which I appreciate. So I talked about it a little bit, but yeah, sometimes they would hint at a little bit of a big misunderstanding. So for example, she has a catty cousin who implies that the only reason he's with her is because she's so boring that he, she will reestablish his reputation in society. Yeah, because he, like, let's backpedal a little bit. The, this is set up in like the first friggin' chapter. Mm -hmm. The reason everybody thinks he's dead is he was on an expedition with another guy who left him for dead, stole his journals, and published them claiming they were posthumous. Yes. He was never dead to begin with. This other guy took everything without consent. Probably a, really stupid of him to not make sure he was, was dead, dead Yeah, he left, I thought. This guy's basically a big jerk face. And real dumb. And real dumb. So that's why everybody believes that uh, Rupert, not Rupert, <laughs> Bennett is dead. <laughs> Um, and so he does have like a reputation to restore because he was written to be an idiot Yes. in the book when this guy wrote the tales of their adventures yeah. and now he's clearly not dead. So everybody kind of thinks he's a liar because yes. they think the stuff that this guy wrote is true. So he does need to restore his reputation. Yeah. But instead of, instead of letting it cause this big misunderstanding between the two of them, she immediately just goes to him and says, hey, is this true? And he's like, obviously not. And she believes him and it's true. So. And he responds to this accusation by pulling her out of the concert hall and jumping her bones. Which I also did not mind. I liked the way his version of reassuring her was physical. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I mean, let's be honest, he's not a great negotiator, okay? Nope. But, but he does have a way of expressing himself. Yes, he makes himself understood. Yes. And we already talked, I think, about the secondary characters, but for characters that weren't present all that often, they felt very authentic. Well, and like in the case of her older, popular, gorgeous sister, who could have easily been the villain, she absolutely was not. Mm. Yes. They didn't understand each other, but like Olivia does stand up for Philippa several times. Several times. She does wish they were more similar, but it's never in a way that she's never one of Philippa's antagonists. In a bitter way. Yes. And so, Lord John, who easily could have been a pathetic side character. So great. Was he was so great. great. He was great. I really liked Lord John a lot. I really liked Lord so, John. And Meg and I have talked before how we love rich external lives for yes. characters in romance novels. And on the basis of Olivia and John alone, like this did it. Yeah. Okay, so here's my weird digression. I cannot wait for this rant. <laughs> I saw that there was a digression section in the notes, and I didn't read it because I didn't want to spoil myself. Okay, so so basically, I was wondering if Suzanne Enoch was at all inspired by the true story of these great Victorian explorers, Sir Richard Francis Burton and John Hanning Speak. So I, I was wondering this. I, I read these whack whacked out, like, acid-trippy steampunk novels a couple of years ago. The... 
Burton and Swinburne novels by Mark Hodder if you are looking for some whacked out steampunk Victorian books. Are they like romance novels or are not they? at all? Okay. No, not romance novels at all. They're alternative no. historical fiction. Yeah, okay. super fun, very weird. But he used these historical figures as his main characters, and one of the main characters was Sir Richard Francis Burton, who I got extremely interested in. So Sir Richard Francis Burton, he such a cool guy. He like he knew fifty million. Okay, so he knew like thirty languages, and this I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Like he knew all these languages. He went on. Um, pilgrimage to Mecca back at a time when you weren't you couldn't do that as a non-Muslim so he basically like infiltrated and did it not because he wanted to expose himself or do anything like that but because he was basically like an early anthropologist so he did it he wrote a memoir about going on pilgrimage he did all these super cool things he translated the Kama Sutra um, are you sure these aren't romance novels I am sure but they're really cool okay and anyway, I got super into Sir Richard Francis Burton. But what really got me interested about whether they were these parallels was that Sir Richard Francis Burton went on an exploration to find the source of the Nile with this other guy named John Hanning Speak. And so these two people, would Sir Richard would be Sir Bennett, and John Hanning Speak would be David Langley, who's the, mm -hmm, the villain in the book. And what happened was... Uh, Sir Richard Francis Burton got sick. He got so sick that he had to basically be evacuated and come home. And he was sort of the brains of the operation. He took all these great notes. He was the one, the linguist. He could speak to everyone. And Sir John Hanning Speak continued on the expedition. And when he returned, he published that he had found the source of the Nile, which he had, it turns out. Uh, at the time, there was a great debate over whether he had found the source of the Nile or not. And Sir Richard Francis Burton was super pissed that he had published this without mentioning his name or anything like that. And Speak had not taken any notes or anything for this expedition. And so they were going to have this huge debate for the two, the two of them meeting at some, it's not the Adventurers Club, but something similar like the Geographical Society. And all, the day before they were going to meet, Sir John Hanning, or excuse me, John Hanning Speak shoots himself by mistake. What? By mistake. Yeah, he's like going out hunting and is walking over a stile in England and then dropped his gun and it shot him. And so they couldn't have the debate. And it, basically this caused this huge scandal between, about the even the source of the Nile and this whole thing. But anyway, I kind of have this low-key crush, historical crush on Sir Richard Francis Burton probably because of the books that I read and not because of his actual character, but he still seems like a super cool dude. Yeah. Uh, and um, more parallels. So Burton, Sir, Sir Richard Francis Burton, got a spear through the face plane. It went in one cheek, and then the point came out the other. So, like, no interior damage? Right. Just, wow. Yeah, yeah, and there's there are photographs where you can, like, see his <laughs> scar. Uh, in the book, Wolf, Bennett, got a, a spear in the side. Side scars are sexier than face scars. Much sexier, although check out, the, guys, check out a picture of Sir Richard Francis Burton because he was well known for his piercing eyes. Back scars are the sexiest of all. 
<laughs> I well known. I will brook no debate on this topic. Uh, so anyway, I was really hoping Suzanne Enoch would have an author an author's afterward um, or an author's note. So, so you could read so it because I never do. Elaine doesn't, but she didn't. She didn't have it on there. So anyway, I am choosing to believe that this was Sir Richard Francis Burton fanfic. <gasps> yes. Uh, and it made it, it just, it just made this like, just went, took it there for me. Okay. Okay, digression. I love that digression. Done. However, I think we need to talk about something before we talk about offensiveness Let's and sexiness. We haven't really gotten into the conflict. Okay. So we did say that this guy Langley published all these books. Well, published this book based on Bennett's journals that he stole and brought back and then told everybody Bennett was dead. But so now Bennett... He's insulted Bennett's good name in the books. He has all of his journals and artifacts that should, by cause, belong to the society that paid for mm -hmm. Bennett's excursion. He's put this rift between him and his uncle. Like, Bennett and his uncle, as we mentioned, never had a good relationship, but Bennett's uncle was actually convinced mm -hmm. by Langley that Bennett was dead. Right. And so participated in the publication of this novel that speaks very ill of Bennett. Yeah. And so Bennett is, like, hell-bent on revenge first and foremost and getting his shit back second of all yeah well and also like exposing this guy for the plagiarist that he is right so revenge but also like wait those are my books i wrote it and you changed some weird shit in there that is ultimately his goal however yes. whenever he's confronted with langley it becomes more about like violent pummeling punching him and yeah it's all again shades of rupert carsington so that's sort of the main conflict is he's into philippa Philippa's into him. She wants him to act better. She's a little nervous that he's like an explorer who just wants to sow his wild oats and doesn't actually want to marry her. He wants to marry her, but is a little sad. She's such a bookworm because he does want an adventurous life. Secondary, the real conflict is Rupert. Rupert. <laughs> the real conflict is Bennett trying to restore his reputation. Right. Gain the ability to explore again because as it currently stands, he's lost all credibility yeah. with explorer societies. Exactly. And re regain his physical journals and stuff. Yes. And I will say that I could see the, the resolution of this conflict being a little frustrating for, for some readers. Mm -hmm. I could see that, but I found it not only realistic, but I liked the way that they reacted to it. Yes. So, that said... So, that's the conflict. So, as we get into the sexiness and the offensiveness, if we have to allude to, like, whatever, that going yeah. on, you now understand the basic premise of why Bennett is so pissed. So, offensiveness, again, we have already touched on this, but yes, the whole explorer-slash-adventurer trope is problematic in and of itself. I love it so much and I like even I try very hard not to be that person who is like I don't want to analyze why this upsets me or I don't want to analyze why I like this but this is sort of one of those things I have to put aside because fetishizing Victorian era exploration is inherently like problematic and yeah. I absolutely do yeah yes but yeah yes we all have our kinks. We playing. do. And mine is absolutely explore dudes. Um, I did have to laugh and Meg has this in her notes slightly differently but when Bennett is basically the one who figures out how to decipher the Rosetta Stone in a yeah. passing comment. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah, it was it's it's pretty funny. If you if you like if you do like explorers, even though you intellectually realize that they are problematic the way we do, you will enjoy that scene. Well, and it's like it's similar to we haven't gotten to this on the podcast yet, but we absolutely will. My favorite book series, the Amelia Peabody series. Yeah. The um Peabody Emerson clan is alluded to be the true ex discoverers of King Tut's tomb. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, then they're indeed. like, well, we're not going to touch it. And then that way, like, 
you kind of get this alternative history. Yes. I, it reminded me a lot of that, and yes. there's no higher compliment I can pay something. Yeah, right. Um, I, although that also brought something else up for me, is the fact that, so this is a true regency, in that the Rosetta Stone has not been deciphered yet. I had problems then, so why in the world is he exploring the Congo that was not contemporaneous? And again, I only know this because of Sir Richard Francis Burton. Who I did extensive research on uh -huh. after I somehow formed a weird crush on him. Yeah, no, that happens. So, anyway. I can tell you all about Belzoni and the beginnings of the exploration in Egypt, but I don't have as much knowledge about the rest of Africa. Yeah. And I know, like, the Victorian era had a lot of literature that n made it seem like people were aware of Africa as this, like, unexplored frontier, which is offensive in and of itself. But I'm thinking of, like, Haggard and she. Yes. Yeah. So there's a lot of, like, I know contemporary, the Victorian era had a lot of literature about African exploration as if it was understood that that was happening. Right. But I don't know when it began. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's not, not like the Congo was not explored, but it was not explored by English people at this time. Right. So that was. So basically what we're saying is we have no idea if it's historically accurate, but it stood out to us like it might not be. Yeah. I did try to do some research on it, and it seems like mostly Belgian people did it. Belgians. Okay. I mean, obviously there were native people who actually lived there. Is Wolf a Belgian name? It is not. Mm. It is not. But. All right. All right. And then the other thing under offensiveness, which... Not all that offensive, but slightly annoying is how the, all the all the women in this book, except for Philippa and her sister, are super catty yeah. and super bitchy. And that some of it is to support the not like the other girls TM stuff, and some of it is just boring. Right, but there's not there's not a single other woman besides her family that is at all nice to her. Yes. So that's a little annoying because I, personally, I just don't agree with the whole idea that women can't work with other women or be friends with other women. I, I just don't get it. I but. get that what you were supposed to take away was Bennett was the catch of the season and everyone's so surprised it's Philippa. But that that even got it a little got bit. a little frustrating. Yeah. Okay. The bread and butter of what we do, Meg. Sexiness lane. So yes, you were talking about that, but yes, I my number one point was their first sexual encounter kind of comes out of the blue, but I also kind of loved it. I think I didn't. Okay. I think I needed a little bit more buildup. I was more shocked than into it. Sure. Which I was, not to say I was disappointed that it will happen so early, but I... I actually was sort of looking forward to reading a more explicit seduction. Sure, yeah. That kind of doesn't happen. No. I What I liked about it was that she made the decision to go after what she wanted. And she, basically she goes over to his place and is like, let's do it. This pantry seems good. Yeah. I mean, I, again, points for unexpected locations. <laughs> no, that's all. She definitely wasn't like not consenting but i did get the impression through that she wasn't quite sure what she was consenting to sometimes it was a combination of how sudden it was and like she clearly just to compare this to striking romance which mm -hmm. we just reviewed where she goes over to for the first time to kind of hook up with him and he's like you didn't come over here for sex did you and she's like not explicitly, but now that you mention it, maybe. And he's like, okay, that's not a good that's enough answer. No, yeah. This is true. This is sort of the opposite, where this is true. he probably knows she didn't come over for sex, but 
if she's willing, they're gonna do it. I I suppose we could do that. We, it's hot. We could see I'm it not that way. Trying to say it's not hot, but I didn't. I liked it enough that I could overlook the problematic parts. And we have been talking about this. But you know what? That should be the subtitle for this episode. <laughs> I liked it enough that I'm going to overlook the problematic issues. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I really liked their makeout after they dance. So they dance yes. for the first time. It steals her away into the Alcohol, library or library, whatever. Yeah. And they totally make out. And then she hears that the next song has started. And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You promised to dance with some other woman. You better go dance with her. Right, because it's so rude to leave a young woman out there. Yeah. Like, well, and she knows what it's like. To be abandoned like that. Right. right. She's like, I'm a wallflower. I know what it's like for someone to solicit my hand for a dance and then not show up. Like, that sucks. So she's like, you better go and do it. And he's like, okay. And then she stops him on the way out. And she's like, but don't make out with her. <laughs> And he's like, no, I wouldn't. And she's like, okay, good. That's all I needed to hear. Like, I, I just loved it. it I like, really liked the interaction. I really liked that. Okay. I also like, so they hook up in the pantry in his uncle's house. She goes over to see him. Yeah. And they hook up in the pantry. Lane was not so into it. I didn't mind it so much. <laughs> Afterwards, definitely gets more, the, the consent becomes more explicit. Hello, listeners. This is Lane. I'm currently walking outside, so I apologize if the audio is a little bit lower than you're used to in quality. But I wanted to let you know that from this point forward, the review got a little bit spoilery, and by a little bit, I mean completely. So if you want to read The Care and Taming of a Rogue with only the minimal spoilers you've heard so far, I suggest you stop here, and we'll talk to you next time. Because mm -hmm. he goes over to her place. She's like, by the way, this is where my house is, and this is where my room is, and I'll see you in the library. Wink, wink. 2 a.m. And at 2 a.m., he is there, but who is there to meet him? Her sister. Olivia's a badass in the scene. Oh, she's so great. So great. She's like, excuse me, sir, what are you doing in my house? You had <laughs> better get out, you know? And he's like, well, shit, I guess I'm not hooking up with Philippa tonight. So he goes to leave, but Philippa finds him before he leaves the grounds and is like, okay, no, I know a different way up to my room. This is a little spoilery. I probably need to put a spoiler warning. Okay, but I this. love it. I'll, I leave, love I'll leave your comments in. Okay, so he's... So he, he goes to leave the property, and Philippa intercepts him on the way out. And she's like, actually, come this way, sir. <laughs> There's another way into my home. Yes, and she takes him to her room that way. Yep. And Olivia stays in the library, <laughs> thinking that she's guarding her sister's virtue. Which is... Too late. Yeah. So. But I re I just liked the whole thing. I liked it was that Olivia stopped cute him. Sequence. I liked that she went to get him afterwards. Mm -hmm. I, I liked it all. Yeah. I liked everything about it. It was super consensual. Yes. And that like she wouldn't let him leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He's like, I don't know. And she's like, uh-uh. <laughs> the stairs are this way, sir. Yep. <laughs> that said, this a very similar situation happens later and it does not lead to sexy times which made me very disappointed yeah so olivia is not a fool <laughs> she's not she's not as dumb as she she's not as dumb as she looks because you know pretty women can't be smart but this is a little bit of yeah yeah i'd be mad that there's a hot sister and a smart sister except the Olivia's smart sister is hot, and yeah. Olivia's not dumb. Um, so, Olivia 
figures out that if her sister's ruined, it only could have happened one way. So she's just gonna like stick to her sister like glue. She's like, I'm sleeping in the bed with you. I'm going everywhere with you. How are we doing this? And so, it is pretty funny. It's really funny, but it is not sexy. It's not. And they had other books where the end of the book ends up being less sexy. Yes. In the name of resolving the a conflict. Yes. And this definitely suffers from that where the sexiness is the middle of the book. Definitely. Because the resolution can't be sexy because yes. you know, they're trying not to die. Which and you know, that's fair. If you're going to do that though, don't make the final possibility of the hookup be your sister saving you from yourself. That's sort of what I'm getting at. Yes. Like if the last sexy scene needed to involve penetration. <laughs> at minimum. <laughs> yeah. Controversial opinion. But yeah, overall, I think we're both going to say we re recommend this knowing that Knowing our biases. Knowing that we are biased reviewers in this case. Yes. In this case, look, look, Lane loves archaeology. I love adventures and apparently Sir Richard Francis Burton. <laughs> so and we both like blue stockings. So yes. like, here you go. Silver platter. Yeah. But anyway, read it. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you think our review is way colored by our own preferences. Yeah. If you thought we were going to be harsher on this one. I, I would be very interested to know. Me too. But I did recommend this one because I was like, I, I think that Lane will like it despite its issues. Yeah. So as always, thank you guys for listening. And if you enjoy our podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. We'll talk to you soon.